woman that's radiating her pleasure from her body is the most magnetic thing. We get, we all get drawn to it. We all, you might not be able to put your finger on what it is, but it's like her body and her, and her soul is occupying her body because she doesn't have these layers of shame and disconnect and self-rejection. And it's just like, who just walked in the room? <laughs> I want to know her. <laughs> Welcome to On Her Terms, a podcast that helps women nurture their unique personal power and channel it into creating a life that is truly their own. I'm your host, Krati Mehra. Which part of a woman's life has most shame attached to it? You guessed it, her sexuality. While men actually brag about their sexual conquests, a woman's sexuality is expected to be shrouded in guilt and secrecy. And it's not just society, but a lot of women as well who perpetuate this practice of avoidance around sexual discussions who believe that we shouldn't be open about our sex life, we shouldn't actively pursue pleasure or independently create guidelines for our own sexual behavior. For some of us, the reason for this lack of openness may be religious, familial, or political, and those are forces that can only be restructured over time. But what we can do in the interim through content around the subject and by openly and proudly talking about sexual pleasure is encourage more and more women to explore their sexuality, discuss it with others, seek information if they need to, so that someday we may all collectively advocate for women's right to sexual pleasure, expression, and sexual equality. I also want to point out that as we normalize conversations around female sexuality, it will become easier for women to speak up about past or ongoing sexual trauma and abuse and seek the legal, medical and emotional support they may need. After all, we are all familiar with the damage that secrecy, shame and guilt can do to a person. Today, I am talking to Erin Kaina about how women can take ownership of their sexuality and the role spirituality can potentially play in this journey. This was a very powerful conversation because it felt like a reminder to all of my female listeners that in every way, shape and form, your body belongs to you. It is an instrument that is meant to serve you What you choose to do with it is up to you. You call the shots. It is not a vessel of pain, shame, or guilt. Its only job should not be to endure, but to be the receptacle of pleasure that almost goes beyond the physical. Because when you experience sexual pleasure that has no shame, no conditions, no restrictions attached to it, it satisfies more than just your body. It's about experiencing freedom in its most basic form. It's about being connected to every part of yourself in the most glorious way. And it's a massive, massive fuck you to every man and institution that uses sexual shame as yet another weapon of repression. Clearly, I am very, very passionate about this subject. And so is my guest, Erin Kaina. Erin is a trauma-informed sexuality healer, coach, teacher, and poet, liberating women to experience their pleasure potential in all areas of life, including sex. She has been on this journey to empowerment for the last 10 years, traveling the world and guiding other women along their path as she follows hers. Erin is the host of the Sex and Healing podcast, proudly transforming listeners' lives with her wisdom and stories in over 50 countries around the world. 
Now, let's hear what she has to say on the subject. Erin, thank you so much for making time. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I love your content uh, and I'm just so thrilled to have you here. My pleasure. Can I just start by asking why you're choosing to do the work that you're doing? Because it must require so much dedication, helping people with their sexuality. I mean, there has to be a story that brought you to this place. What drives you to bring this level of dedication to the subject that you've chosen, despite uh, I'm sure the resistance you must get from certain people? Yeah. And in many ways, I feel like it chose me. I had a lot of resistance to working in this field. The first time it kind of came into my awareness was 20 years ago. So I was about 20 myself and my partner at the time said, I feel like you're here to help women with their sexuality to heal in the way that you're healing. And I was like, nope, absolutely <laughs> not. I never could do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's been there inside of me. It's been witnessed by the people close to me, but I was in resistance through a lot of my own shame, a lot of my having overcome sexual trauma myself and climbing out of that dark place, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to have one foot in that world where I'm supporting other people to get out. I wanted to distance myself completely from the pain of my past. So it was only somewhat recently in the last few years that it really came to the forefront and it in some ways felt incredibly natural. Like finally I was ready. I was at the place in terms of my own healing, my own sexual journey, that it wasn't something that I was in resistance to anymore. It strangely took me a long time to sexually awaken, even though I've always been a very sexual person and being a very sexual woman, particularly in the world, is a very confusing thing to be because of the way the world teaches us right, what it means right. to be a sexual woman and the amount of societal shame that's placed upon us. And yeah, so it was a very confusing and shame-filled inner journey and when I finally reached that place in myself it was this effortless of course this is what I'm doing like how did I take so long <laughs> but that's the journey right <laughs> what do you mean when you say a sexual woman because I know that there are more negative connotations out there than there are positive ones it is a great question it's just there is no hierarchy at the end of the day. For me to claim it is a kind of weird thing now that you pose the question in this way because we are all sexual women. Of course. But some people, let's say that they're into music and all of us like music. All of us are musical beings for sure. But there are some people who are effortlessly musical and they're the embodiment of what it is to be a musician and music drips out of every single pore. It, it occupies the entirety of their being and that's not to say we're not all musical but there's some people who have a propensity or a natural disposition and a fascination and a curiosity around that realm of music and that's what sexuality is like for me it's something that's always been at the forefront of my life and very close to the surface except for times when I've been very shut down which I think is a very normal response for many of us women as well but I've certainly had my complete sexual shutdown phase, years of my life. So when I look at the other women in my world that might be quite sexually expressed, I still see myself to have more vastness in my sexual expression than most of the people around me. So my sexual curiosity, my uh, sexual drive is not the right word, but my, my focus on it, my hunger for experience surpasses what would be 
normally found or what would most people would feel comfortable with. Right. Why do you think there's so much like for any woman to say I'm a highly sexual person? No woman ever really goes out there and just says it outright. Even if she in the privacy of her bedroom, she does think that she is a highly sexual woman. I don't I don't really know very many women who would be comfortable saying that in front of other people because mm-hmm. I know some of it is the fear of what the other person would perceive them to be but apart from that going beyond the public perception of those words what else do you think holds us back from declaring that interest in our own sexuality where does all the shame come from yeah i think the the societal consequences for our sexuality are vast and we've been taught from a very young age that that kind of tainting of our reputation can have vast, vast consequences. And certainly across different societies, different religions, it varies, but it's still pretty prevalent everywhere. And the patriarchy has been in power on our planet for roughly 2,000 years. And the way that the most powerful way to disempower someone else is to use guilt and shame. And so in order to put the power in the hands of the masculine, the easiest way to do that is guilt and shame, what's naturally feminine. So men's sexuality and women's sexuality are two very, very different stories on the planet. They're both still very damaged. They're both still filled with shame. But women are inherently sexual. We are the birth, give, you know, we create life through our bodies. The most yeah. sexual act <laughs> is to create life. It's so beautiful. It's so sacred. It's so powerful. But as the consequences of trying to disempower or take women's power from them, that illusion, it's used shame. And so I think, well, when I think of my own experiences and I tell other women that I'm a sexual being, there's probably some more acceptance or more comfort with men. There's either their judgment of it and blatant shaming. There's their own discomfort and their own sense of inadequacy, which is how the patriarchies damage men. And they don't want to feel sexually inadequate inadequate around me. And so they can retract if they hear that I'm a very sexual woman. And I think we're seeing definitely more change on the planet now, more celebration of this, more understanding of sexuality. Education is really starting to become prolific. And I'm so happy to see that. But we still have to do a lot of inner work for each of us. So whether someone hears that from me and feels comfortable or uncomfortable is just simply a reflection of how far they've journeyed within their own sexuality and started to um, dismantle the internalized shame around sexuality. Yeah, that was a powerful response. Uh, And if somebody listening to this interview feels stirred up, they should really explore that. I would say uh, women should definitely explore that if they feel like they're not quite comfortable with your answer or they want to challenge it. I think they should introspect a little on where all that is coming from. And I also really appreciate that you pointed out uh, that shame is used to disempower women because I do agree with that. Men are allowed to brag about their sexual conquest. They're allowed to talk um, almost around the clock about it. And it's okay. There are all of these articles also that go into how men think about sex about 75 to 80% of the time, something like that. And and that's perfectly acceptable for them to do, but not so much for women. And even women shame each other. At least in India, I've observed that, you know, uh, they're not comfortable about it. 
like it's supposed to be some sort of strange conversation to have when someone brings up masturbation, when you bring up orgasms, or when you talk about making your sex life more fun and adventurous. And so even women judge each other. And I know it's not just just in India, it's, it's everywhere. So I really love your answer there because there is power here to be claimed. And I believe that when you are comfortable with your body, you are just in a different zone. When you know you are a sexually powerful woman, there is a confidence that it can bring. Uh, which brings me to my next question. Being comfortable with your sexuality, owning your sexuality, what does that look like? And how does that impact a woman on different levels? Oh, that's such a good question. And I, I really like what you just said in your last answer as well. I think that's really insightful and I love it a lot. And I am a naturally triggering person for many people. <laughs> I do expect people to be challenged and triggered by what I say. And my life history shows me that it's uh, it's very common for people to be triggered by me. And you're exactly right. That's just an opportunity for self-inquiry. And I understand that the way that I live and the way that I embody my physicality and my sexuality is very challenging for many. And if it's too much, that's fine because it's not a reflection of me. But the journey to get there has been huge. And so this is exactly what you're asking now as well. It's like we what it takes to actually reach this place is so much self-reflection and so much self-acceptance. And even when we reach that point of self-acceptance, we can still share ourselves with a new partner and experience their judgment. We can still, even one of my most recent love relationships with a man who was nearly 10 years older than me, he said, I feel like a virgin around you. I feel he had to face all of his sense of inadequacy because of the embodiment of my sexuality. And I, I was proud of him for being able to own that and, and still face that. But I fully accept myself and that is triggering. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, the full acceptance of my body, my womanliness, my sexuality is really about not having, not feeling like I have something to hide, being open and curious about my sexual expression and the people that I share it with without shame or judgment, being able to hold space for other people's as well. So the embodiment of my sexuality and for the majority of my clients also comes with another consequence, which is you start to raise your standards and you start to want more for yourself and expect more for yourself and not settle anymore, that it can also be a lonely path. Yeah, the more yeah. I do this work and the more I embody my self-worth and what it really means to own my sexuality, I don't want to share it with people that can't meet me in that place. I don't want to share it with people who are still projecting their own shame and judgment or uncomfortable around me. So it means that a lot of the sexual experiences I had in the first 20 years of my active sex life would not be suitable for me now. <laughs> so it can be somewhat isolating because we're moving away from the mainstream. We're moving away from the mainstream dating and sex and relationship with the opposite gender or even the same gender or whatever it might be for us. We start to really recognize this is amazingly powerful and incredibly intimate incredibly vulnerable a lot of people before really addressing their sexuality don't even bring vulnerability into sexuality right there are women who don't want their body seen or won't make eye contact and that's very very common that's a level of vulnerability that that they'll say i'll have sex with this person before i'll be seen in a bikini with this person like that's the disconnect that we have it's like we'll share our body and our sexuality 
but I'm still not feeling safe or comfortable enough for you to see my magnificent body, whatever it may look like. Yeah. So it is that kind of embodiment of sexuality comes with, I'm so comfortable with myself and I can go deep and I can be intimate and I can be vulnerable and I can be fully present with all of you. And not many people can match that. So we start to move away from those early experiences where we feel disconnected or we're not sure if he's going to call us the next day or like we haven't really got to know each other yet. And we start to move towards deep presence and deep acceptance and deep vulnerability and intimacy with people long before we even share our bodies together. The the entwining of our sexual energies happens very differently. We don't just jump into bed with someone anymore. (laughs) We realize that sexuality is a mental experience and an emotional experience and a spiritual experience. And we get to play and include every part of our being in our sexuality. I love that. I love, love that answer, the way you put it. You make it sound so magical and you're so right. A sexually confident woman, really a woman who is confident, even if you remove the sexual element from it, they always come across as as too much. You're too much for the world. You're too much for men. And I hate to generalize here. I really do. Uh, I'm sure that it's not true about every man. Uh, and taking that on board, men generally are more comfortable with sexually timid women because yes, because I don't know, maybe we we have done them a disservice as well by conditioning them in that way, you know, to to look for women who are sexually who let them take the lead or who would at least walk one step behind, who wouldn't meet them on an equal platform, let alone be ahead of them in so many different respects, especially when it comes to sex. So I I really love that answer. But I have to say, um, when you find sexual confidence, yes, it is a lonely path for a while. But then when you do find people who are willing to meet you there, where you're at, oh, it is. It's amazing. (laughs) Quality over quantity. Absolutely. (laughs) And like, I still have experiences now that other women in my world are just like, you found what? How did he speak to you? What did he do for you? And I'm like, I know that's a, a man with great consciousness or that's a man that's very well aware of himself. And you don't get that when you're just out on the casual dating scene. You don't get that depth of presence from the masculine. So, yeah, it's it's a lonely path, but you're exactly right. The rewards are there. And I I appreciate that, you know, you've, you've taken it like it's it's more than sexual. It's about your entire being almost and how you show up for yourself in your life so so let's talk about that a little bit because I would love for my audience to understand that this is yes it is about sex yes we are talking about sexuality but it's so much more than that and just for the length of this conversation perhaps we need to suspend the general idea that we have all grown up with, that we have around sexuality, that it's supposed to be about lust. It's supposed to be raunchy. It's supposed to be all of these things, except that it's that's not all there is to it. There's beauty to it. There's health to it. There is well-being to it. There's so much more to it. There's, there's love to it. You meet yourself in a way that you can't have that experience with really anything else in your life. You You can have big challenges big experiences but when you are exploring yourself sexually you meet yourself in a way that 
nothing else can give you that experience really so let's talk about that and talk about how uh you know sexual exploration and getting to that other side where you find that confidence and the self belief how that shows up where your health is concerned how that impacts your emotional well-being let like i would love for you to introduce the the women listening to this episode to the possibilities here so there is actually so much scientific evidence about the the health benefits of orgasm and i don't want to focus on orgasm as sexuality because actually like there's just so much more to it but yeah the body releases hormones and chemicals in the body that increase our well-being and can also decrease other health states so it's quite incredible there is so much out there even momentarily you can decrease pain you can decrease stress you can decrease blood pressure you can increase connection right you can increase your quality of sleep like it, i'm getting goosebumps as i just think about it it's <laughs> utilizing our vessel as it's meant to be utilized the yeah. same as exercising and going to the gym we could list off a hundred reasons or like going for a nice afternoon walk we know that that makes us feel better we know that that's doing something on many many microcosmic levels in the body but ultimately it just feels good to go for a walk and when you go for a walk you're like oh i, I love this <laughs> <It's so laughs> anytime that you can go for a walk and then you get back to walking you're like oh why do <laughs> why did i stop doing this sexuality is the same when yeah. we don't have a positive relationship with our sexuality and as a result of that we don't have positive sexual experiences then we don't get those benefits when we're shut down and we're stuck inside ourselves and we're fearful and we're anxious that's not what we're talking about when you have a very positive loving sexual experience and that can be one that you have with yourself and start to awaken the pleasure in your body like that we start to experience all of these benefits we can then take sexuality into an emotional realm and for me sexuality is only in the emotional realm without an emotional connection with someone my sexuality is not activated and so this is what can happen in those states of shutdown is that we don't actually understand what it is that we need to feel aroused or what it is that we need to feel safe and turned on and then there's some women who've never gone beyond that so their only sexual experiences are unpleasant perhaps even traumatic full of obligation and then they don't even understand what we're talking about now like why would sex be good why would sex make us feel that way but it's important to get to understand ourselves so that we can start to crack the code women's sexuality is very complex so for me i know that emotional connection is the major precursor to feeling aroused i have to feel emotionally connected i have to feel safe and cherished and loved and then the door opens and i'll journey through everything but if my heart feels wounded and if my heart feels guarded it's all gone everything's gone that right. very sexual woman that I identify as is gone <laughs> nowhere to be found it all comes back to the heart so when i have that heart based connection with someone then i get the opportunity to move emotions through my body in the most beautiful way emotions become the fuel for the sexuality in many ways so i can have a catharsis and a huge release i can feel states of joy and be you know blissfully ecstatic almost of just laughter and joy and when i feel wounded or in pain emotionally then sexuality is a great way to heal that and reconnect and actually bond together after some sort of emotional rupture as well 
Yeah. And I really honestly believe like if you start sexually exploring yourself, even if it is by yourself in, in the privacy of your bedroom, I think you can also find body acceptance. And I, I think you are better qualified to comment on this, but women who have body acceptance are generally just more confident. No matter what it is, whatever experiences they're taking on, be it public speaking, be it showing up in a high position in your company, whatever, they're just more confident. And you can't have body acceptance if you don't see everything that yes. your body can do for exactly. you. Exactly. And I, I remember meditating once and I very clearly heard the words, it's not the shape of a woman's body, it's how much of it she occupies. And I thought, yeah, when I hated my body, which was the majority of my life, I was very disconnected. My energy, my soul wasn't being expressed through my body. I was in judgment and disconnect and shame. And even now in sharing my body with a new lover, I noticed, oh, God, I'm feeling insecure about my body. And so I've been looking at that again, like, why have I gone back a few steps? And I was like, do you know what? I freaking love my body. I love my body. I love the feeling existing in my body yeah. where my problem comes up is what other people think of my body and the fact that we live in a society where people can even have an opinion about what my body should or shouldn't look like or what's good or what's or what's disgusting or what's sexual what's attractive like it's so ridiculous that the world has made us feel like that about bodies it's just so insane and devastatingly sad for me that we are raised with these kind of opinions being put in our mind that the shape of our body somehow has some sort of value or lack of value over something else. I would much rather be fully in my body, completely activated, sensual, alive and pleasured yeah. than I would being supermodel thin and being disconnected from it. Yeah, A woman that's radiating her pleasure from her body is the most magnetic thing we get we all get drawn to it we all you might not be able to put your finger on what it is but it's like her body and her and her soul is occupying her body because she doesn't have these layers of shame and disconnect and self-rejection and it's just like oh, who just walked in the room <laughs> I want to know her <laughs> oh my god yes yeah that's what we should aspire to to be that woman and I think so many women from a very young age start forgetting that this is in fact your freaking body what you do with it is entirely your business you get to call the shots they give away so much of their power Sorry. oh my god and i can't exactly put my finger on on what it is and when exactly it starts happening but it does happen and then you have to relearn this 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 very basic concept that you teach yourself oh no this is your body you get to decide what it does, how it serves you. It, it's tragic, really, but that's that's actually what happens. So I really appreciate you uh, for helping women correct these ideas and see what is possible in this journey. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> okay, I have another question. I want to ask you about your website. What I loved about your website, this is something uh, I have never been able to put forward in very clear words because um, I'm... Even I'm not very clear on this concept, but you have woven spirituality into sexuality. And I do recognize that. I, I recognize that when you have like a really good sexual experience, be it with a partner, be it by yourself, or you're just really at peace with your body, it is 
for a fact, like to me, at least it is a spiritual experience almost. But I would love to know what made you go down that path? What made you weave these two together? What does that look like for you? Well, again, it was a very natural blending of, it was an integration of my own self. It was my wholeness and me not segmenting who I am, but recognizing I am a deeply spiritual person. I feel very blessed to be connected to forces much greater than us. I feel very guided by those forces. I feel like there is a energy at work in my life that's leading me on my own path of evolution and it's leading me towards more love and more connection and more oneness and greater understanding. So I think whatever anyone's individual relationship with spirituality is, we could probably all agree with a general concept of something greater than us. And so as a very spiritual person who was raised in a family of atheists who told me that God was a bad word and like science is all that matters. And all I wanted to do was be a nun. I wanted to grow up and be a nun and go to Sunday school. Yeah. I was craving God in some form my whole life before anyone told me what it was, which is probably the same as my sexuality, craving this connection before the world told me that it was bad and wrong. So having spirituality at the forefront of my life, as I start to go deeper and deeper into my own sexuality, you realize that actually they're one and the same. They are this force that's much greater than us. That's leading us towards more connection, more unity, more oneness. And it will fit within every single person's religious or spiritual frameworks, but it will fit in differently depending on what their personal perspectives are at that time. And obviously a lot of organized religions have also shut down sexuality by using shame. And that's a lot of religious deconditioning that a lot of people need to go through as they start committing to their sexuality as well. But for me, it's more so about for me to be a spiritual person, for me to recognize the truth of who I am as a spiritual being, it's the unconditional love and acceptance of all layers of who I am, the fullness of myself. And sexuality is exactly the same. It's the acceptance of the fullness of myself and how can we have one without having the other? Yeah, it's like communing with your soul, I think, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying the episode. I'm taking a quick break here to remind you to subscribe to On Her Terms. Subscribing means that you get the latest episode without fail delivered to you every week and it helps me reach a wider audience. If you haven't already, please pick up your phone and subscribe now. Let me know that you appreciate the content I'm sharing. Thanks in advance. And I started exploring um, this concept when I was in depression. And after that, I had to go to all of these support groups and and meditation workshops and all. And there, um, they told me that, they told me about masturbation. Explore masturbation as a form of meditation because... Wow. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's and and then I learned about orgasmic meditation. I was I was never really able to do that. I'm not quite there yet, I think. But I did I did understand how how masturbation can feel like meditation. But let me know if you think I'm wrong. But I feel like you have to be very deliberate about how you channel your energy as you are exploring your body. Mm. That well, I agree, and I also. I think there's both sides of the argument. I think 
yes, there's an importance to bring sacredness and focus into our sexuality, but once we reach that point, then we recognize it's everything. So I have a little bit of resistance to the Tantra movement because Tantra basically says, have sex like this. This is where you're safe. This is where it's sacred. And all that other stuff on the planet that's dangerous, that's harmed you in the past, it's almost excluded. Even though the, the philosophies of Tantra are inclusion of everything, the practice of Tantra, I often see them. And certainly when I share that my sexual expression is based in BDSM, I have a lot of people that are in the Tantra world say, oh, what, why do you do that? And I'm like, oh, it, trust me, it is so sacred. It is so spiritual the way that my sexuality is expressed. But you've got some preconceived idea that BDSM is bad and dark. And so that it through saying it has to look like this, they've actually created exclusion and shame. So I think as we all journey into our own sexuality that, yes, we bring that deliberate focus we bring that sacredness that full presence but then we also want to continue expanding out to include all sexual expressions and once it becomes a tenant of your sexuality once it's there at the core just like emotional connection is for me let's go do everything let's play let's experience let's lighten up let's be joyful let's be dark let's be angry like we can start to move through all of that but I, I do think it's a very necessary component and when I think about our own masturbation practice I really think that it's an opportunity for great self-care and great self-love and acceptance and it doesn't have to just be outcome oriented like okay I'm tired so I want to get off or I've got a headache or I can't sleep or I'm just a little bit horny or revved up and I just need to satisfy that like sure we can do that but there's actually way more available to us about discovering what it feels like to be in our body and to experience all different sensations using the yeah. entire yeah. body as the sexual the button not just the <laughs> 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 he's like you have yeah. so many buttons that I could push and I'm like yeah I do whole body is activated now yeah no it's not just focused on the genitals and the breasts it's actually then moving that like scratching is one of my favorite sensations just running nails along the skin but if you run your nails along your skin when you start masturbating you'll feel that that sexual energy all of a sudden is moving down your arms and your legs and up your back all of a sudden you're engaging your entire body in this pleasure experience and it's vastly vastly different yeah okay I have two points to make there like you are so right the sleep that you get after having an experience like that is, first of all, amazing. I have done that, like not goal-oriented masturbation, but like just exploring your body with your eyes closed, letting yourself connect with your body. It is sensual, definitely. It is not connecting with your body like you do with guided meditation, not like that. But just closing your eyes and just feeling your body, feeling your energy and taking it in that direction, even if there's no orgasm, even if that's not your goal, when you fall asleep, and sometimes um, you do fall asleep doing that, and it sort of carries over into your sleep, and you wake up feeling like that, you wake up with that sensation alive with that connection with your body alive in you and oh my god that's that's like you are connected to the divine that's how it feels to me exactly. and yeah a lot of people would think bullshit but no you you have to experience it secondly i agree with you that excluding those experiences 
does mean giving away some of your power. Because when you are exploring your sexuality, you are becoming this woman who has the confidence to be in touch with her body, to be conscious and aware of her body, to go out there and say with confidence, I am that I'm a highly sexual woman. I love sex. I love spanking even, <laughs> if, if that is uh, your truth. But if you exclude these elements, especially if you do it out of shame, then again, you are giving away your power. But when you do actively, consciously choose how to sexually express yourself, regardless of everyone else's idea of right and wrong, it makes you feel powerful because that's so totally you calling all the shots. The critical piece in that is to express our sexuality from a place of high worth. Because what I also see is women say, oh, I'm so sexual, so I'm going to go sleep with 100 people because I'm so empowered. Right. And I can see that they're not choosing the right people and they're being ghosted and how our sexuality is expressed is not the sign of empowerment. It's the relationship we have with it and the relationship we have with ourselves. So you can have very high self-worth and sleep with 100 people and it be healthy and you can have very low self-worth and sleep with 100 people and it be very unhealthy. So I think it's really important to say, is this a healthy expression of my sexuality? Are these choices coming from high self-worth? Is this a choice that's going to damage me or hurt me in the long run? Or am I going to be accumulating so many woundings from being ghosted so many times? Am I really looking for love, but I'm using sex to try and get attention? Like there's a real difference when we're coming at it from healthy sexuality and we say, I love spanking. And there's a real, a lot of red flags still around the other women who just say, well, now sexual freedom means that I should go and do anything with anyone. And hey, we've all been there. We might all have a phase of that. I have complete compassion and understanding. But what I would really urge women to do is work towards the healthiest expression of their sexuality. Yeah. And and anyways, no matter what you, what culture you belong to, no matter where you come from, what your family was like, it takes so much work to get to that place of confidence and that comfort with yourself, your body. So I just think you really have to protect that. You, you have to protect that place uh, you are in, that feeling as well, because if you then go ahead, you go on and find people who may not be right for you or you end up in situations that chip away at that confidence and that power, I, I really feel that, that it will, it will damage the work that you've done. Like it is with our mental health. We, when we go through therapy, we do the work, we attend workshops and support groups. We become very, and it's the most natural thing, we become very protective of our mental health. We become very proactive in taking care of ourselves. And I think it's the same thing with our sexuality. That confidence is so hard won. Do not give that away. And then we learn what healthy boundaries are and we learn what consent is and how to express that. When no one teaches us about our sexual boundaries, we have no idea. We have no idea what's okay or right or wrong for us or how to express that. So we end up in a sexual situation where we feel like our lines were crossed or we're feeling yucky and we don't know why. But as you do this work on yourself, all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm so empowered to express my boundaries. I'm so empowered to negotiate this sexual experience and share what I'm available for and what I'm not available for or what I'd like to try. There's so much shame around the the yeah. words of sexuality it's so hard for people to even get the words out of their mouth sometimes, let alone have really empowered conversations about it. So 
when you do work on it, yeah, you realize what a freaking gift and a prize it is to be in the presence of my sexuality. Absolutely. No, not everyone's getting access to that. I'm sorry, you've got to prove yourself as worthy. (laughs) Gift. (laughs) I love that. And I'll share um, this article that I read a long time back. I'm going to share it in the episode description. Uh, This Mm -hmm. article was about BDSM. (laughs) And I read it a while back, so I may not remember all the details. But um, since you brought up BDSM, apparently uh, this study that was covered in this article it talked about uh, the difference between people who practice BDSM and people who practice uh, vanilla sex, I guess. So it w- they, they studied a very large sam- sample of people. And what they found was that um, the people who indulge in BDSM, who explore that area of their life, have more social confidence and they have better emotional well-being. They show up with a lot more confidence. They are more at peace with themselves they they have better health and well-being and honestly i could see why that would be why all of those things would be true about them it makes sense that someone who gives themselves that freedom would feel like a somatic embodiment of our shadow you have to be you face parts of yourself in bdsm that society tells you that you shouldn't face so for me it creates a lot more wholeness and integration by being at peace with those parts of myself but for me it's the intimacy and the vulnerability is so much higher in BDSM than it is in vanilla and I just am hungry for that kind of intimacy that very 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 deep entwining between you and someone else I tried to explain to someone once it's like we could go through for a walk through the forest during the day we say oh that's really lovely like Look at all these nice things that we saw. We get to the end of our walk and we go, oh, thanks for that lovely walk. But if we walk through the same forest at nighttime, we're going to be holding each other's hands. We're going to be moving close to each other. We're going to be watching out for each other. We get yeah. to the other side and we're like, whoo, we did that together. That's what it feels like. I'm getting goosebumps as I say. It's like let's go to the edge of ourselves. Let's go to the edge of our psyche. Let's go to the edge of our pleasure. Let's go to the edge of our shadows and see what we find there. And because we're both committed to doing that, it becomes so intimate. It takes this vulnerability of saying, oh, I'm going to show you my shadow if you show me yours. Mm, It's so delicious. It's so transformative as well. Yeah, I think uh, the books that, the romantic books that cover the subject, movies like Fifty Shades of Grey, they sort of make people think that people who enjoy BDSM are carrying a lot of trauma and all of this comes from a place of, like past traumatic experiences but i don't i don't really think that's true i think sometimes it's just an adventure that you decide to go on and find more and more about yourself through those experiences like you discover these little pieces of yourself and as you said you are putting yourself in a very vulnerable position just even asking for it from your partner just that act of asking for it is, is such a huge step towards building trust. And when it is a good experience, when it's positive, every inch of it is positive, I can't even, I honestly cannot even imagine the level of intimacy you will find with your partner, the level of trust you will find with that person. Yeah, and there's also scientific literature because I was part of that camp. I thought my own internalized shame of my sexual expression, you must be really screwed up to want those things. And it's kind of like the homophobic person that's actually gay. (laughs) All of the judgment I had about BDSM and the misunderstanding is because I'm very kinky. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love the classic. <laughs> but I did a lot of research and they have scientific research as well that says that there's no higher incidence of sexual trauma in the BDSM community as there is in the control groups, but actually that there can be greater sense of secure attachment within particularly power exchange relationships. So like all things, you take the good with the bad. Of course, that community has its own problems and you can definitely find people who are expressing it in unhealthy ways that can be quite damaging. And it's very important to go into that world with full consciousness and empowerment and being able to speak up and consent. But when it's practiced well, then all of those things get included. The the communities that are practicing it well are including such incredible education and sex positivity so that it can be experienced in a healthy way. And again, I think it's just kind of like some people like sports, some people like music, some people like really yeah. kinky things. It's just, yeah. <laughs> some of my friends are so vanilla. They just can, it just does not click in their brain in a way when I tell stories or I share something that turns me on, they, they just can't relate with it. They, they, it's just not there for them. And I'm like, wow, that's really interesting because I'm the complete opposite of that. But, you know, it takes all of us. We're humanity. Every one of us is unique and different. Of course, yeah. And no judgment for people who like BDSM and people who completely don't want to go there. That's perfectly okay. But it is an interesting visual when you think about women who first um, admitted to themselves that, you know what, I would love to be tied up and then go out there and admit it to someone else. I mean, that must be like an instant boost to your confidence. In fact, sometimes I like to provoke uncomfortable conversations. I would deliberately make people uncomfortable. I would push those boundaries, I would say outrageous things like that and then watch their reaction. <laughs> That's it's amazing. So and as an example of humanity, I don't like to be provocative in that way. I don't, I'm very honest about myself, but I like everyone to get along and I don't like people's buttons to be pushed. So I'm very good at like being diplomatic and making everyone feel comfortable. <laughs> But you discover so much about people when you do that, especially with guys. And they're all like, yeah, we're we're making space for women. I'm totally okay with a woman taking the lead in the bedroom. And then you throw a statement like that out there. And then the reaction that you get is, oh, don't say things like that out loud. Why would you share that? Don't share it. And then I'm like, yeah, okay. So now, now we see you. Now we come up against the shame. I see this. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me want to ask you something more serious here. Um, women who were shamed as they were growing up. Like it happens in a lot of conservative families where you get told not to wear a certain type of clothing. You're told not to talk to the boys. And if you get teased somehow, it's your fault. And when stuff like that happens, you carry it with you. You know, it turns into trauma and you carry all of that pain, all of that shame into adulthood. And of course, it impacts your ideas um, around your body, around sex. Like there are so many women who think you have to be married to explore sex. And that's the only safe way to do it. And then when they do get married and they're exploring it, they don't really ask for anything more than what their husband is giving them. There are, I believe there, I mean... I really do believe there are consequences to repression that happens during our childhood, that happens during our adolescence and our teenage. So can we please talk about that? Can you 
please talk about how we can get past all of that conditioning. Yeah. Well, that's two huge and really important questions that you've just asked. First of all, how we can get past the conditioning. I think what you and I are doing now is massively impactful. Being exposed to new information, there is no choice until there's awareness. So a lot of those cultural things are being perpetuated because you have no idea that it could be anything other than that. If this is what your culture's done, if this is what your family's done, you just do what's always been done. And then if you and I are having this conversation and this conversation gets dropped into someone's world who's never been exposed to this before, yeah. it smashes open the psyche. It's really challenging. But it that awareness, that idea that there's something else becomes the precursor for new choice. So then they can start to say, okay. So I think a really important part of this is education, really healthy and empowered sex education. That's something that's been missing from our society. There needs to be a lot of forgiveness, self-forgiveness. I think a lot of us are carrying not only the shame and the judgment that's been imposed upon us, but the way that we've treated ourselves, the things that we've accepted for ourselves. We need to be in loving relationship with that. I think healing the shame comes from bringing those parts of our shadow into the light. And when we can create safe spaces and safe relationships, like you and I have just met and this is a safe space for us. We instantly were able to hold that space for each other because of a, it's a reflection of the work that we've done on ourselves. But many people have never had a conversation of this depth in their entire life, let alone one between two strangers. So when those conversations aren't part of your world, when you don't have relationships with sisters or friends or, you know, other women that can empower that, then sometimes you don't have anywhere to bring your shame and to talk about it. So I think creating really healthy, safe spaces for us to share and to talk and to ask questions, reliable resources for those kind of things is incredibly powerful. And then once you've done the work on it, as you and I have, we then become naturally leaders and role models for others. And then I feel that it's our absolute duty as the women privileged enough to be able to take this journey that we're on because I, I recognize for the vast majority of women on the planet they do not get this privilege they don't get the safety they don't get the education for this so for those women on the planet who are privileged enough it is our duty to share this and to elevate the rest of the planet by doing work in our individual lives and our communities and perhaps with our careers as you and I are doing it could be small scale, it could be big scale, but we it's up to us to take that empowerment to all the other women in our world by being a safe space, by starting conversations that are typically uncomfortable, by being a supportive sister to another woman or to lovingly call out women who are not recognising their self-worth and inviting them to rise and be the role model for that by demonstrating what does healthy sexuality look like, what does healthy body love there's one woman I know, she came, we traveled the world together for a while running retreats. And she said to me, God, you've taught me to love my body so much. Like I feel so much more comfortable around my body because you're comfortable in your body. And I was like, but you were the reason that I was comfortable <laughs> in my body. What are you talking about? I used yes. to see her in a bikini and think, God, she just owns it. She's wearing a bikini. She doesn't look like the supermodels, but she's just doing it. And so she was doing it. Maybe I could do it. 
So I started wearing a bikini around the pool in front of everyone. Started just like, oh, feeling relaxed because she was relaxed. And then she's looking at me going, wow, look how relaxed Erin is. I'm going to relax more. And so without realizing we are passing on our empowerment. So I think that it's really important that we take this and we have those kind of conversations and, you know, especially if we become mothers is creating those sex positive environments for the next generation. So yeah, we can absolutely send our healing back up the family ancestral line, but it may not be to the same extent where we can really influence is the generations that are yet to come. So I feel in many ways our generation is the one privileged enough to have these conversations, to have this in mainstream media, to find it all over Instagram and podcasts and books and TV and Netflix. It's everywhere now. We're really in the body of the movement, I believe. And so that is creating an amazing precedence for the next generation that will come. And we hope that through the the wounds that we've carried and the wounds of our ancestors that we can do the work now to clear the path and to give them greater access to their sexuality and sooner. Lovely, lovely. And and I love that example. It's so true. <laughs> we can empower each other. We can at least do that yeah. while the world catches up, right? And I love that. Would you recommend any little rituals that women can start doing just to um, sort of get started, especially women who have a lot of resistance to their sexuality? Is there anything you would recommend that they can start doing? Yes. The very first exercise that I give my students in my signature sexuality program is mirror work. And it's tiny and simple, and yet it is not tiny and simple at all. It's huge. Being able to look at ourselves in the mirror, hold deep eye contact with ourselves and love ourselves can be a very challenging thing, very, very, very confronting and challenging thing. So I recommend for all of my students just to spend five minutes a day looking at themselves in a mirror and to be really consistent with this practice. The change really happens from creating new ingrained patterns in our subconscious rather than going with the operating systems that society has given us. So to be able to just start perhaps with the first week or two to just be looking at yourself in the eyes and nothing beyond that. If it if that feels easy, progress faster, but sometimes just to be with ourselves for a few minutes a day is a lot. Okay. Once that starts to become more comfortable is to look in the mirror and say, I'm a sexual woman. I'm a sexual woman and you breathe it in and you feel it. And honestly, the the difficulty for some of my clients even to say that about themselves or be able to look at themselves and own that part of themselves that's showing this big divide, this big split internally of who they really are. So once we can start to embrace this and say, yes, I'm a sexual woman. Mm, I am <laughs> a sexual woman. Start, like, loving that and embodying that. We can then move to doing body love in front of the mirror and we can stand there in front of our bodies and start to love on our bodies and touch our bodies in that way. When that becomes comfortable, then we can start to make love with ourselves in front of the mirror. We can start to become sexual with ourselves in front of the mirror. So this is a really long journey for some people. It can be very confronting to actually masturbate in front of the mirror, but it's incredibly profound because ultimately our sexuality, our sexual relationship that we have with others is only as good as the sexual relationship we have with ourselves. Our sexuality is ourself. It is all about us. We as women have been told for thousands of years that our sexuality is about others. It's about their approval. It's about their pleasure. It's about their satisfaction. Even now for women who have prolapse and need to get surgeries, 
or post-birth, there's something called the husband stitch, which is like surgically tightening vaginas. Okay. That's so painful, so incredibly okay. painful. Like your body is here for your husband's pleasure. Your vagina needs to be a certain way for his pleasure. And they can even measure. I was listening to another woman who was very distressed because she has to have this surgery and she's coming up against the patriarchy like that. The fact that this is what how surgeons talk. But they say the ideal width of a vagina is two finger widths, but we can also measure your husband and then create your vagina with a perfect fit for your husband. Oh, my I'm God. So, I am so sorry. That vagina does not exist for that purpose. It's our pleasure. And our pleasure comes in so many forms. And the pleasure we can create with our vagina is far beyond something as simplistic as tightness. That is just so far removed and this is 2022 and this is still common and mainstream in our medical systems it's just crazy it's absolutely crazy this is so messed up yeah so, messed so up. we've got a lot of work to do here we are celebrating how far we've come and girl we've still got so much work to do <laughs> yeah we should all think about that think about these people who really do believe I mean, it has got to make you angry. Like, think about these people who actually think that they get to own your body. If you're married, your husband owns it. While you're a child, your father gets to tell you how to live, yeah. what choices to make, what to wear. I mean, fuck everyone. It is so not their business. That makes me so angry. And yeah, if you don't do the work, you don't do all of what we have shared today. If you don't do it to serve yourself, just... Like, do it out of defiance. I mean. And it's also so funny that certainly in the realm of kink and BDSM, there, there is a kink around ownership and being owned. Right. And for me, that's hugely erotic to be owned sexually. But it's only erotic because I own myself. It's right. erotic irony. I can now flip it on its head. If I'm truly disempowered and don't have body autonomy, then it's abusive. Yeah. It's violating for someone else to own me. But when I claim myself and own myself, then, yeah, sure, let's play in that realm. And there is something really, I love it. I actually, it's it's a big part of my sense of safety with a sexual partner is feeling some sense of ownership and possession. Someone has me, someone owns me, someone's taking care of my needs because they I'm a possession of theirs. But that only comes from a place of such empowerment. Yeah. So, yeah, there's just so much to explore in sexuality when we start from that healthy foundation that's the key is get to that place of healthy foundation and then explore but without that healthy foundation so much of this just perpetuates so many of the that are damaging us in the first place yeah what a beautiful beautiful place to be and and something really to work towards and aspire to yeah thank you so much for sharing that erin um, I would love for you to let our audience know how they can work with you, how you can help them in this journey and any resources that you recommend. Yeah. So I work with clients one-to-one -one and in a group program called Worship. So you can contact me via Instagram or my website. It's very easy. I am the only Erin Kiner on the planet. So <laughs> you'll find my Instagram, my website, and my email very, very easily. <laughs> and I really encourage if you feel like it's just a absolute fuck yes to work with me then come and work with me if it's just a curiosity then just come and follow just come and watch and expose yourself to new concept there's no pressure these things can take a while so I'm here and if anyone has questions or 
is curious, I absolutely make myself available to connect with potential clients. And there's no obligation around that if someone wants to find out how I work and how we could work together. So it is really important to me that a lot of my work is personalized and really reflects the unique needs of the client. I don't say, okay, come and work with me in the way that works for me. I say, how can I best work for you? The client? What does that look like? So that's how my coaching practice works. I have my own podcast as well called Sex and Healing. So that's another great resource. And then I live in Bali, Indonesia. If anyone's listening in Bali, Indonesia, you can find me here and I can host in-person events. And also like now that the world is opening up again, one-to-one immersions and retreats in Bali as well. Yeah, I will make sure to share all of those links. So they should all be in the episode description. Now, the last question I want to ask you is when you feel down and out and out of faith, all out of confidence, how do you get back to a place of power? Where do you go? What do you do to restore power and confidence within yourself? Wow. My number one strategy, the first thing I tend to do is cocoon myself into a place of safety. I just recently got a weighted blanket and that helps a lot. But I give myself full permission to disconnect from the world and go internal. I crawl up in my bed, which is my favorite place in the planet. I might have my cat with me, but I just go inside. It took me a lot to not see that as being a failure, being wasteful, you know, there's so much capitalism has told us our value comes from output and creation and achievement. And what if we did nothing? (laughs) Full permission to do nothing. It's a very feminine way of being. It's receptive. So I cocoon myself into just a little tiny burrito. I cry a lot. I love being in water. So that might be a shower or a bath or being in the pool. That helps me with my emotions. And then I always call upon powerful friends. Yeah. Surrounding myself with women who understand me and who can support me and who can help remind me who I really am is always the thing that will help me then elevate back, remind me the truth of who I am. Without my women in my world, there's no way I could be the woman that I am now. Having really reliable, multiple people as well so that if one person's not available or I'm not burdening one person too much with what my needs are, I have probably five women that I really trust. One's here in Bali. Most of them are other places around the world. But when we find those precious friends is to be that loving support for each other. So cocoon, cry, call a friend back on top of the world. Maybe eat a bit of chocolate. I love dark chocolate. Give myself some pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for today's episode. So did you love it or did you love it? Thank you for joining me today and sharing your time. If you're eager for more, head on over to onhertermspot.com for show notes, guest information, downloads, and more. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, ask questions, and share your struggles with other powerful women, join my intimate community over on Facebook. The link will be in the episode description. Until next week, this has been another episode of On Her Terms Podcast.